there's a lot of notoriety. And I think as uh, as a teenager, how you react, you're not mature yet. And there's people who are out there who are looking to you to be an example. And people want to come alongside people who are famous. This is Culture at a Crossroads with David Mann. With me now, a lawyer in London, Ontario, former hockey star Jake Wara. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, David. I appreciate it. Jake, you've got lots of hockey experience in your days. What's one memory you have of an iconic moment taking in the game or playing the game that just really cements what hockey means to you? That's a great question. I think, uh, so, so having grown up here in London, Ontario, I grew up watching the 2005 London Knights team that went to the Memorial Cup and had such great success. And uh, our family was actually blessed enough to have season tickets uh, to those games. So I remember growing up watching those events and seeing Sidney Crosby uh, play in the Memorial Cup. And then I remember my first game at the JLC, which is now called Budweiser Gardens, uh, as a member of the London Knights, skating out in front of 9,100 fans is a memory that uh, I will never forget because I remember watching those players as they skated out of that tunnel and then to be one of those really cemented and brought full circle the experience of hockey as, as I grew up knowing it to be. It must have been so special. And you got pretty close to the NHL. You went to some training camps. I remember New York Islanders at one time. Yeah, exactly. So I, I unfortunately tore my ACL in my draft year, which limited uh, the NHL exposure that was out there. I was blessed to be invited to the New York Islanders camp as well as the Philadelphia Flyers and, uh, and as well had some opportunities to play over in the Continental Hockey League or the KHL as it's, uh, as it's more commonly known. Um, but it wasn't God's plan for me. I had uh, quite a few injuries and that kind of put a, a damper on things. And that's, uh, but yeah, to be able to have that exposure to pro hockey was, uh, was definitely a neat experience. Now, what kind of exposure did you have with Hockey Canada? Did that partnership ever flow? Yeah, so I was a member of, uh, I mean, I, I was the last cut actually for the under-17 team for, for Hockey Canada. Uh, that was to start off my OHL career. But of course, we attended the camps, was closely involved with many teammates who uh, played on world junior teams or under-18 teams, under-17 teams. Um, so the exposure was definitely there. So, I mean, I don't need to fill you in on the news, but for listeners who don't know, I mean, the last couple of months has just been a, a reckoning of, of Hockey Canada and, and the revelations of this fund that they had that paid off any sort of allegations that were ever against them. It was really under wraps and, and really the, the, the story that has been the straw that's broken the camel's back. A woman uh, assaulted by several players from the 2018 World Juniors team in London, Ontario, what has your reaction been like to this as someone who's had close ties to this game and even it being in the same city where you've played? Mm. Yeah, good question. I think ultimately sadness. There's a pain that I, can f- that I know those, those people are feeling, the girl individually as well, who, who m- might be feeling pain, of course, through this situation. And so we live in a broken world and it, and it hurts me to know that these Things that are still happening, I've known that they uh, do happen and hoped that they wouldn't continue to happen. So news like this is troubling and sad, and I just feel for everyone involved. Mm. Yeah, you said you know that they do happen, and you were very uh, outspoken about that a few years before 2018 when you 
published an open letter, My Farewell to Hockey, and you sort of went through the years of playing rep hockey and what it was like to be exposed to drugs and alcohol and and pornography uh, while a player. Uh, are you affirmed even more in having written that letter given what's transpired recently? Yeah. You know, when I wrote that article back in 2015, it was the culmination of a uh, hockey career that, um, I, as you rightly said, I was exposed to these things. I don't think it's irregular. And it's a sad reality that uh, I want to be clear, I, I don't think it's limited to hockey. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's something that I was exposed to through hockey and something that uh, in writing that letter, uh, I wanted to make those aware, those who were aspiring to be hockey players aware of moving forward that uh, it does exist. So to, to hear these events transpiring, I'm not surprised, but unfortunately it's, it's a sad reality that, uh, that we do have to deal with. Hmm. What do you think it is about hockey and other sports that uh, for years and even probably still goes on to this day, we just sort of uh, push these kinds of things under the rug? Yeah, uh, good question. I want to be um, careful to say that I I, I very clearly, I do not think that this is limited to hockey. Mm. Uh, I think it's, especially as a hockey player here in Canada and more specifically here in London, Ontario, where um, the London Knights are uh, a praised item here in the city and and hockey is our, our national sport along with lacrosse, people who play it and are successful at it are under a microscope. These players day in and day out, People recognize them. I remember I would walk through the mall or through the market daily, and uh, you would at, at least once throughout your trip there be recognized by a fan, by somebody who uh, was a resident of, of the town that you were in. There's a lot of notoriety. And so with that notoriety comes um, comes a spotlight. And I think as, uh, as a teenager, how you handle that or... Um, how you react you're not you're not mature yet and i mean there's people who are out there who are looking to you to be an example and people want to come alongside people who are famous you see, you hear stories all the time of these things unfortunately and sadly coming out whether it be with uh with actors um with athletes in other sports this is not limited to hockey this is not limited to sports this is just a real a sad trend that our society is having and that comes with with notoriety and fame i think a good balanced way to put it and i think with the extra exposure we have on this sport and the way that the leagues like the ohl are set up where young men go away from home uh, there is that extra focus on this particular sport uh, Jake, would you be at liberty to share even um, some of the things that you were exposed to and, and even maybe if there were some things that tripped you up back in your youth? Uh, good question. I think uh, out of respect for everyone involved, I won't share specifics. I think the um, – and my letter had mixed uh, – was received in many ways. I had uh, many people thanking me. Most, honestly, most of the feedback was quite – um, favorable as far as how it was received and the fact that it was seen as educational. It, it gave parents the insight into what would, took place or what would take place as their kid developed in their hockey career. And that's ultimately why I wrote the letter. In all honesty, there was it was not always received in a great light. And there was some people who took it as a direct attack at them. I received 
I lost, I lost friends over it. It was not always received in a great light. And I don't regret the things that I said. But ultimately, I want to be clear that I didn't write the letter to throw others under the bus or to be seen as the whistleblower for uh, specific instances. The reason I wrote the letter was to be educational, to be uh, informative for parents who are looking to put their kids into hockey so that they knew of the pitfalls or the concerns that might be there, not to be the sounding box of somebody to just um, be salty because a career in hockey didn't work out and to therefore try and grab on to anyone they can and throw them under the bus. That's not a, at all what I why I wrote that article. So I want to be careful that um, uh, in bringing to light this issue that I stay true to that and don't end up being being sounding board for specific instances. Mm -hmm. You wrote it to better the sport ultimately to try to educate, but you also wrote it to share how your identity as a follower of Jesus helped you to navigate through this and, and come to a a clear vantage point on what this game can, can mean and and how there's uh, some lessons to be learned. What did that, open up for you as, as a Christian and, and sort of what was driving that part of it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question for me. Ultimately, uh, my identity is in Jesus Christ and his atoning work for me on the cross. I think that when I was writing the letter and struggling with some things, my identity throughout those formative years of hockey, that, um, the question really, uh, really continued to hit home. Who am I? What is my purpose in life? Am I known as a hockey player? I mean, that's what a lot of these people are known for. Why? I mean, as I mentioned, when you walk through through um, the mall and, you know, you have multiple people recognize you, they recognize you because you were a hockey player. So when hockey leaves you, is your self-worth as a person wrapped up in being recognized? Or are you comfortable knowing that at the end of the day, you're a human who is fearfully and wonderfully made by your father in heaven, that your identity is is found solely in him. And that gives you a reason and a purpose to live in life. It's only by his power and grace that you're able to do anything anyways, which I firmly believe. Uh, there's nothing of my own accord that I did to, to earn the right to be able to play in the OHL, to be a successful hockey player or, or unsuccessful hockey player, however you would like to view my career, or even where I am now as a lawyer. It's only by God's grace that I am, am here and nothing of my own accord can I attribute to that. And I could, anything that I have in this world, I can lose at any point in time. And that's honestly, when you reach that point in uh, realizing where your identity is at, it's a very peaceful and settling way to live your life. Because whatever happens and whatever comes your way, if you have trust in the knowledge of Jesus Christ that that's for your own good and that's because your Father in Heaven loves you and wants that for you, you don't have to worry about what happens on a day-in and day-out experience. Jake, the personal failures that might be experienced by someone in sport growing up how does identity in Jesus help them to confront that and and overcome some of those obstacles yeah uh, so I'm a sinner I mess up I continue to mess up I did mess up as a hockey player Uh, even being in the spotlight when you have that fame yeah sure I didn't always make great decisions in fact I made bad decisions but knowing that you have that identity in Jesus to guide you 
is uh, is important. And I think that there's uh, a great value in coming out into the open and sharing, um, being open about our faith. Whatever your view of life is or otherwise, those issues that you come into contact with, as we've seen here with Hockey Canada, will be abundantly clear. And how you react to those, my hope would be that, that it pushes uh, individuals to really evaluate uh, what they live for, who they live for, what their purpose is in life, what their identity is in life. And my hope would be that that's in Jesus Christ and that you would realize that we live in a broken world as this situation, uh, David, as you've rightly uh, elucidated, it's a sad situation. It highlights a need for a savior and highlights the sinful world that that we live in here. I, I do want to bring attention just You can blame the legal side of me here from being a lawyer. I think it's also important for me to say this is uh, my heart breaks for all the individuals involved, especially the woman there. But at this point, it's allegations. There's been investigations open. There's been settlements. Uh, As a lawyer, you'll know that a settlement is not an admission of guilt. Um, Hockey Canada, I I think we can all agree, um, maybe hasn't made, hasn't handled it. Uh, the right way. And that's fair to say with where the funds were coming from or otherwise, for those of you that are uh, aware of the situation, I won't comment too much on that. Uh, But I think we need to let the process run its course. And I trust that uh, the investigations as they continue to take place and already have, uh, will continue to bring that to light. But David, what uh, it doesn't gloss over, and as you've rightly said, is, um, is that we live in a broken world my article, as I wrote it in 2015, and, and I mean this still today, I hope would really uh, force people to question what their identity is and uh, who they live for, whether that's uh, sports, whether that's your job, whether that's um, your notoriety, how much money you make. I challenge those listening here today and those who have read my article to really investigate that and, and question yourselves honestly on that. Jake, if we could, just as we kind of reach an end to this conversation uh, the culture of sports itself, identity is is valuable. And with that, there comes the navigation process. And when you're in a change room of any sport, uh, I know you touched on this a little bit in your article, but like what would be maybe some yellow flags or red flags that, that parents should be aware of, that aspiring athletes should be aware of? Yeah, um, I think similarly to to the change room at high schools, teams that are there, college events, there's going to be these conversations where guys are joking or complimenting each other on the women that they uh, are with or have been with, things that they've done, things that they haven't done. Sadly, and in the professional sphere, it, it takes place too. You hear it with law firms, you hear it at golf courses. There's stories all the time where there's this culture of, uh, honestly, a lot of um, sexual exploitation, and and that's good. That's unfortunate that that takes place. But when you're in positions of power or success, that just opens the door to these these sad situations. And so, in the change room, you can expect to hear who slept with who on the weekend, who's sending inappropriate pictures to who else, what those pictures are. Those get shared. My experience in witnessing that is not just in hockey; it's across the professional sphere as well. And, and you can, a simple Google search will show that that's taking place within uh, the professional sphere. And, and it's sad, um, but it's something that everyone needs to be aware of. And I think 
it really speaks to the culture that we now live in. We're a very sexualized culture where it's encouraged to, for people to take off their clothes uh, on social media, whether that be with Snapchat, Instagram, uh, provocative pictures, podcasts where uh, porn stars are, are sharing their experiences, what they like, what they don't like to vulnerable people, to young kids, teenagers. That's a bad recipe for teaching value and for, and for really um, where our culture's at sexually. And I think that that's trained this and, and really allowed this culture of sexual exploitation or otherwise to really take hold. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't like where social media is heading with these things. It, the access to these things is easy. A simple Google search, Instagram search of an individual. And I know in my own life, I've had to put in those barriers because um, the Explore page, all of a sudden, there's just a half-dressed woman there. And that's kids have the access to that. Me, my 16-year-old self now in, in OHL hockey, that would pop up. And who knows, that person might even reach out to me through a direct message or whoever that is through a, a direct message. And as a, we're all sexual beings, guys with testosterone, um, it's, a, it's a recipe for disaster. Mm. It almost comes back to this, like, what does it mean to be human? And we've become a culture that dehumanizes in, in the way that we, you know, make women into animals and, and vice versa. Yeah, no, absolutely. And my hope would be that, that we recognize, as, as Christians, we recognize that, the, that we do live in that broken world. And that um, uh, my hope would be that through this interview, through the relationships or conversations that are sparked from this, that people would not hide their struggles. We're all humans. We're real. At our, I know at our church, we have a great opportunity where the guys are open and it's confidential, but are open about struggles that they have. I know growing up, it was hard to share struggles that you have, whether that be with pornography or what it can be literally anything, but to have a, uh, this, this life is not meant to be lived in isolation. And uh, as much as social media and these things can be stumbling blocks, at the same time, we have these phones that ring on both ends. Get connected with someone, whether that be a youth pastor, your pastor. I know at our church, we also have a, uh, a biblical counselor. These are resources that we've set up because this life is not meant to be lived alone. And I really encourage uh, individuals listening to this to consider that, to look at the world that you live in and... Um, question what it means to be uh, a Christian if you are one. And if you're not, I encourage you to investigate that yourself. Well, Putin, I think you just touched on something that I think is important as we try to balance this conversation. You say, you know, what's happening in your own life, that personal accountability. Uh, just because this transpired in the hockey change room doesn't necessarily mean that that's where it started. And uh, that's just where, unfortunately, these events are that we're looking at so closely right now with a microscope. And in the midst of this, Jake, as we're both uh, followers of Christ, we're recognizing the despair that we have to sit in as we survey this broken world, but we also move forward with hope. And I wonder how hope can be injected into the sport of hockey that is getting so much backlash right now, uh, so many different leagues questioning how they will move forward in relationship with Hockey Canada. Uh, do you see a way through this meandering river? 
Yeah, I really appreciate that question. And I think ultimately, the ultimate response, people might have their questions about whether or not this was Hockey Canada trying to shove something under the carpet and save face, as might colloquially be known. My hope is that now that it's in the open, it has individuals, families, people involved questioning this. They're starting to realize the culture that is there. My hope would be that that sparks the question not only in hockey, but the change rooms at school, the sororities, the fraternities, the universities, that it would spark that, that question as to what's the cause of this? Why, why are, are we breeding uh, a culture of um, sexual immorality? How do we deal with that and how do we move forward? And I think that now that it's out in the open, those tough questions have to be asked, even if they were tried, whatever your viewpoint is as to whether or not they were attempted to be hidden at the outset. It's out in the open now. People are calling for the resignation of many individuals at Hockey Canada. My hope would be that this goes deeper than than who's uh, in the, the, the seat of power here, that there would be a conversation that broader uh, really networks would be created and that people would start to address this this issue that clearly since 89, I think when we look back at Graham James and those issues that have come to light, I mean, these are these are serious issues. And I hope that instead of just putting a Band-Aid fix over them with, you know, paying people off or otherwise, that we now make a real difference. As somebody who's played the sport of hockey, I would love to see that. As a, as a father of a young boy who I hope someday uh, will be able to follow in my footsteps and play hockey, I, I hope that these questions get answered so that he has the tools and knows that he's uh, in an environment that he can succeed in, that he knows that his faith won't be ostracized, that he doesn't isn't forced into being in an awkward situation with um, sexual talk or otherwise. These might be ambitious views, but I think that the right questions are beginning to be asked, and my hope would be that they continue to be asked. Okay, Jake Warad, hope is not deflated on the ice. An important conversation. Appreciate your contributions to this. Thanks, David, for having me. And if you'd like to read that open letter that Jake wrote titled My Farewell to Hockey, I've linked it at the show notes, which you can read along with all of the events pertaining to the Hockey Canada scandal, that's over at davidmanmedia.com slash podcast. We will be breaking for a week so you can get caught up on podcasts in the archive that you still need to listen to. But when we return... Next time on Culture at a Crossroads... Jason Sutherland is considered an international authority on hospitals and funding. We address the limited vacancies and staffing problems at hospitals across Canada, especially in light of COVID. Once you have this expensive infrastructure developed, it tends to be used because you have a hospital bed there. If you have a marginal patients, it's safer to put them in the hospital bed than maybe send them home. Thanks for listening today. A reminder that you can access any of our episodes when you head to the Culture at a Crossroads podcast. We do invite you back next week as we once again explore the intersection of faith and culture in Canada, helping to better equip you in following Jesus. Jesus.